Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your Monday? Pretty good, Dennis. Um, do you ever like buy a video game or like based on a series you like and never play it because you just want to kind of you want it to be good? Okay, I should expand upon what I'm saying. Uh, I've bought so many Dragon Ball Z video games and I <laughs> okay. never play them. Because I'm like, I really want to play an anime that's totally awesome and I can do all that cool stuff. But mm. they're never, like, you play them for two minutes and you're like, oh, that's not what I wanted. But I still buy them anyway in hopes. Uh. They're good. Oh, um, I don't think I've done that. Probably the closest equivalent is downloading ROMs from multiple old Pokemon games. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe a handful of, like, Zeldas or Final Fantasies. And it's just hard without the nostalgia. Um, some of those old games are just old, right? The controls are bad, and they're the the, the basic Pokemon formula is very grindy. I don't. I've not really, played really a, lo- a lot of games aside from the mobile game Pokemon Go. I don't think I've played any outside of the Game Boy Advance era, yeah. and they're just even with with the fast forward that you get with an emulator um they're just so grindy they are and and i get like how that's fun one or two times in one or two games but they have so many of those that are just feel like they're just carbon copy grind fests i somebody mm-hmm. needs to write in and tell me why how they've improved or why they're not that anymore but every time i see a screen or pokemon uh fuchsia blue mile mauve comes out and it's like Oh yeah, it's just another another walk through the forest and get random encounters and grind it up out and like. Mm-hmm. I guess people love that. Maybe that's a, you know, I don't understand a lot of things with some people with video games like the ones that are brutally difficult and you spend hours just getting like one percent further. I don't understand that, but people love it. Something I like Elder, we're not Elden Ring and things like that. So mm-hmm. I don't have. I guess I don't have to understand it, but yeah. Pokemon's one of those same thing. Speaking of video games, um, last week they did the um, uh, video game awards for the annual video game awards. Um, Heard about that? Yeah, yeah. So a couple of things that um, one that you and I I think are on the same page with is um, Baldur's Gate three one game of the year. Yep, and that doesn't surprise me. Right, right, and deservedly there, there so, was, right? There were some others in the running that I don't really know. Um, it was basically, for me, between this game and Tears of the Kingdom, which I play a lot of. I don't think I played it as much as I played Baldur's Gate. Part of that is just that I don't pl- game on the Switch as much as um, on my computer. But yeah. um, the others I didn't even really know either didn't know about or definitely didn't play like spider-man 2 or whatever and i'm like i don't know i feel like some of it's the echo chamber effect right like i see a lot of youtube and a lot of tiktok and our friends talk about it a lot i think a lot of that is just influenced by the algorithm right so i'm seeing a lot of Baldur's gate content on tiktok because i watch Baldur's gate content on tiktok and it's um, yeah. And you and you, you know, play Baldur's Gate too, so yeah, it's, it's, it's looking unfortunate. I, I play it and I talk <laughs> talk about it, and yeah. But I'm like, I don't know. With the way 
um, that it blew up. It brought, you know, it brought non-video gamers into video games and it brought, you know, non-D&D players to try D&D, stuff like that. I'm like, it just feels like a more impactful um, cultural phenomenon than um, than those other video games. So I I agree. I, I agree. They're, they're they're all really great. That's why they got award awards for. But that one I agree with everything you said and why it's game of the year, not just like a a category game award. You know, which it did. It won like RPG. But the I think the most surprising thing award, and it does with this game too, is that it won for best multiplayer game. Hmm. Right? Like, there's a lot of multiplayer games out there these days. And mm-hmm. that's, and it's, it's kind of, would you call it a multiplayer game? I'd call it generally a first, per, a first single player game that can be played multiplayer, but it is fantastic multiplayer, obviously. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, boy, this is hard to say. All I have is like personal experience anecdote. Like I have fun playing it by myself and I've had fun playing it both. I don't know if I've talked about the crazy gnome barbarian, um, game I did with Pete and his family. Yeah, you did. I think last week you mentioned it. I don't, yeah, I, don't, I just don't remember if we talked about it on the air. Like, oh, yeah. that was crazy. Ca- oh, yeah, because we had Chris on, so I did. Yeah. Um, like, that game, you know, is just nonsense once in a blue moon when all four of us are on. And, of course, our four-man group with Chris and Trotsky, um, you know, it's just a, you know, I've not played a lot of D&D, so... I'm not the best um, one to comment on this, but it feels very close to playing D anD. d But at least how we play it, like with our yeah, the, the, talking there are about ma- things and discussing. Yeah, and... there are major differences, of course, between it and and genuine sure, D&D sure. or fourth edition. But um, that sense of and I, I I don't know how it would be different if you and I didn't already know a lot of the story, a lot of what we're doing, but we still once in a while find a, find a branch or a path um, that I've not taken even in content that I've played through like five or six times. Part of that is because I get video gamer brain and I'm like, okay, well I'm going to do, I'm going to do it this way, um, which is a different, like that encounter we did last night where there's a, there's a fight. I've done that fight from both sides um and one where you go with the kind of bad guys and you turn on them when you encounter um the good guys i've also ambushed with the good guys i've sided with the bad guys and fought against the good guys Mm -hmm. but in our multiplayer group we talked our way out of that fight <laughs> I, which, i'd never experienced that one right yeah which which i've never done i've played a very good paladin and a not evil but like chaotic evil um dark urge bard so i've done that interaction with two high charisma characters yeah but 
and and this is the inter- and I'm getting off on a tangent here, but the interesting thing about playing a like overt morality character as opposed to just oh I think this is what I would do. Yeah. Um, my my paladin and my and my bard are good and evil kind of characters where the again I don't want to get into how the one is less is is not really purely evil she just kind of does whatever Minthara wants to do basically yeah um but um playing with that sort of guiding principle of like well my character is a paladin so she's not gonna talk her way out of fighting these purely evil, evil characters yeah evil characters she wants to slay them for Correct. justice Correct. and and my um and my evil character is like well i don't like these good guys they're dicks and they're not going to tell me what to do or i i'm on a mission i have to go through here and i don't think you get a um um i mean maybe you do but i don't know that there's a path to talking the good guys into letting you pass um all right seems unlikely to me (laughs) it does seem like you never know the content from the evil side but anyway well uh going back to the awards the um that was in the multiplayer category that it won it went against uh the the people the nominees were again i don't know party animals i think it's i don't know what game that is um super mario wonder which is a super mario game there you go street fighter 6 and Diablo 4. So for it to beat out multiplayer for Diablo 4 is kind of a big surprise um, overall. But um, anyway, it uh, it won those. And Best RPG, of course. Alan Wake 2, which I've not played the first one or this one because it's an Xbox game. Uh, so I don't know any of those. But it won several awards. Um, Super Mario Brothers Wonder won Family Game. Um, what else? Anything that highlights here? Uh, anyone who plays esports games, Valorant is one. It's the big one now. It won award this year. Um, and Armored Core, I guess Armored Core six, six one action game. Uh, but another one is action adventure. Le- it's the one game thing. Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom won. So, hmm. uh, I my opinion on that one is that Tears of the Kingdom is kind of piggybacking Breath of the Wild, and Breath of the Wild already had like, oh my god. I'm going to pass out fangirl like a Beatles fangirl acclaim in the past anyway. So, um, mm, maybe. Yeah. Um, so they, they've already like, okay, it's the same. It's not the same game, but you know, same kind of thing. More of the same is what they got with, with, uh, tears of the kingdom. Um, so anyway, that, that happened this last week, which was fine. And I actually don't know how those things are voted. I'm assuming by developers vote. I'm not sure who gets to vote. on this Um, stuff was i talking about fox and i were talking about this but i don't think it was games i think it was movies or tv shows some other like much smaller award and we were just he was describing to me the the voting system but i don't think it was game awards i i have uh, with those awards, I the the one I I have something to say about is the Street Fighter Six get, getting multiplayer on there. I I'm playing. I had been playing Street Fighter Six Mortal Kombat One a lot this last week. Um, mm-hmm. I stopped playing Street Fighter Six and then 
really got into Mortal Kombat one because uh, Street Fighter and I'm, a, you know, I'm an old school original Street Fighter fan from the first game yeah. all the way through. And it's just it's it's fun. It's very fun as it's dominated for a multiplayer. Like when you're playing with other people, it's pretty fun. Who who know who are your level or or um, close or whatever. It's it's really fun. You know, we play with our buddies on and Trotsky. I do, and we're kind of comparable levels of experience, and we have a good time playing it. But beyond that, it's just not that fun to play at all. The whole game itself is just not fun. Um, and if anything, I mean, it's not bad. It's just kind of like B movie, you know, level stuff. Okay. Um, and the, um. Yeah, but Mortal Kombat 1, on the other hand, has a decent story, which is something it has always stand out about. But then I, um, I started playing what they have, like seasonal kind of content now, which is new for the franchise. And I won't talk about what it is, but there's things that change every six weeks or so. Um, and initially, I thought it was boring. And then I played it for a minute. And it's still not intelligent, but it's, it's actually been a really good way to learn the game. Like it just kind of slowly ramps you. You're just kind of fighting a lot of fights in a row that are pretty quick and moving along. And you're like, it's kind of like when you play a um, a mobile game and it's a two minute mobile game and you can just keep playing it real quick. And eventually you get better because you're just kind of repeating the, the things and getting better. And then you add something new and it gets a little better. Um, mm-hmm. That's how, that's how this mode for Mortal Kombat very much is. And, you know, before I knew it, I'm really good with this character, this one character. And I'm like, oh, and I switch over to this other character. I'm, I start slowly ramping that up, and I get really good at that character. And the most important part that made it real fun is that I'm genuinely unlocking things along the way. Like, you know, all of my character fatalities, brutalities, all the costumes and costume pieces. It's just naturally unlocking as I go. On. And it, that felt good, right? Mm-hmm. And, sure. and it's, sorry, it's seasonal content unlocks. So it's, you know, seasonal character skins and things like that. Uh, whereas Street Fighter is nearly all pay. Everything mm. in the game is pay. So, y- yeah, you-, you want any kind of change to your character or costumes, you can unlock them, but it's one of those, it feels like like on a, a phone game where you, yeah, sure, you can play a pay-to-win game but and unlock all the stuff, but really, it's going to take you years, right? Sure. Uh, and... That was a real that was real disappointing as I was like, I want to unlock a couple things so that when we play in person, we'll all have some choices of what we pick and stuff. But no way to like unlock one costume, alternative costume for one character. It's going to take me a couple months. I'm like, geez, it's just unless I'm playing with friends every day, then then it would unlock. So um, but anyway, between those two, Mortal Kombat one has been considerably more fun. It's actually, its system feels really good. Like its combo and combat system feels much better. They've gotten, they've improved over the years. This feels probably one of the best feelings of a Mortal Kombat game and maybe good. And to Street Fighter's credit as well, it also feels really good. Um, so I can't, I can't knock that part. The gameplay parts of both of them are pretty solid and they definitely got correct the parts they're supposed to, like making a good fighting game. Both of them mm-hmm. did that. So just all the extra stuff that you would you would want to spend $70 on a game for. Um, ultimately, I would, unless you have 
you know, friends that are playing it all at the same time, I would not buy Street Fighter Six until it comes down in price because it invariably will in a couple months. It's already came down in price, and so it'll come down more. Um, Mortal Kombat One, on the other hand, is is right now. I think it's at forty bucks, and that's that's pretty worth it. I really think I got I easily got forty dollars worth of my playtime out of that one, and I will continue to play it. So, I mean, of course, you have to be semi fans of these games, but um, sure, yeah, or at least the the genre, the fighting game genre. Correct, correct. At least the, the genre. Um, but beyond that, I gave a, I gave um, this last week. I gave V Rising, which is another game that we had for a while back. It's like a vampire game we played a while back, and it's. I decided to go back and play it. It's really cool, but man, it, I still have the same problems with it. It's it's a uh, one of those ones that feels like it's a single player, but needs to be played with multiplayer because there's a whole bunch of castle building and stuff like that. So when I, every time I pick it up and try to play the game, I'm like, this is a cool game with action and monsters and progression, but I'm doing it so that other people can see my base and my, but I'm the only one seeing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like, I guess you can play Minecraft creative mode by yourself without sharing it to anybody, but why, you know? Right. Um, so anyway, I, I might go back to them. It's, it's always one that I like, but I, I didn't do anything. Did you get any playing games at all this week? This week, any new games, uh, video or board or anything, or board game or any games? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, just been plugging away at my latest factorial run. Yeah. Um, we played Baldur's Gate this week, as I mentioned. Um, feels like we've been a a while since we played that because Trotsky was out of town and then, well, you were out of town and then Trotsky was out of town. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've played any new board game arena games since we talked last week. Um, so no, not really. Oh, not too bad. Uh, yeah, it's not been a, I, I have games to play. I'm, I th- might switch over. I'm going to play, still play some more Mortal Kombat, but I, um, I'm going to push, I'm real close to ending the um, Horizon um, Forbidden West game. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I think this week I'm going to finish just clear that one out and then start another like story driven game. And I'm debating, it's either going to be Last of Us Part 2 or um, um, Red Red Dead Redemption 2, which I've not played the first one. Um hmm. But everybody just, anytime you hear anyone mention that game, it's in the same breath of like legendary game of all time type things. So, um, yeah, I played the sequel for a few hours, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, well, you're already. And I, I played and beat the first one years ago, but it's one oh. of those. Um, I don't think I bought it. I think I rented it on Gamefly for the PlayStation four and I don't have my PS four mm. um, with me. So, and, and you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't remember like what else I was playing at the time, but the, the vibe of the second one just felt really slow. Um, okay. which sometimes is good. Sometimes you want a, just a chill, like, you know, riding a horse across the desert or, or whatever. I think the second one was more snowy, at least at first. But is, is it um, is it a lot like uh, the Witcher games? I'm I'm guessing, like that um, feels like what it is. 
don't know if you've played any of the Witcher games. But. Yeah, I I played Witcher three for a little while, but the the combat I found the combat too challenging. Um, yeah, not that That's I fair. not that I couldn't have done it, but every time I like you go through all of this sort of story exploration stuff, and then you get to a fight, and it's like, oh, you needed to, you know figure out that this guy does this kind of damage and craft these elixirs or potions or whatever because that's a witcher thing right um, and i'm like I, I don't have the patience for that right now i i, I believe that for sure the um because that's that's some of the things that i've um it always stops me from playing the witcher is that it just gets slow kind of um where i get bogged down on you know run around and jump off and fight a goblin for five minutes and it's like you know not it's fun for a minute and then i just, i stop so anyway um well that's i guess it's enough for games for us the week um i wa- went to a mo- went to two movies this week to go watch mm. in the theater um i took my kid to go see um wish the new disney animated film i think you mentioned that yeah oh did i okay yeah well, if I repeated that one, it's just, I apologize. It's, it's okay. It's medium. Uh, the other one is, yeah, I, got, I think that's yeah. what you said. It was, yeah. it was, it was fine. Yeah. So, so I, I don't need to go on that one too much, but the other one was more, uh, sorry, more, more, uh, Godzilla minus one, the new Godzilla movie that's out. Okay. Um, it is not in the recent slate of Godzilla film universe stuff, like the monster universe with, King Kong and Kong versus Zilla and stuff like that. Godzilla, King of Monsters, all that. Those are all in the same universe, same Godzilla, same stuff. This is not that. This is a completely standalone film that takes place right at the end of World War II. Like World War II just gets over at the very beginning. Um, okay. And it's it's a Japanese-made film, and it's very much like the old Japanese Godzilla films, like the original stuff. That's um, what I was going to guess. Yeah. Yes, yes. So if, if you're like that, you're like, oh, I, I like the old ones, and I don't like all this new modern Godzilla stuff, then then what? Well, buddy, let me tell you, that, go watch this one, because this one is for you. Um, and I mean that in all of the best way, because it's kind of like they took the they took the good things and made them better in all regards. So one thing that always bugs me about Godzilla films or King Kong films is the humans. They're always the worst, right? It's like, you spend so much time with sure. humans and you just want to see monsters doing monster stuff. Um, so I was not looking forward to that going into the film. Like, okay, we're going to have a lot of just boring human stuff. But the human stuff was a good story. Like the characters were, they had real motivations and real reasons and there was, it was their own story that was happening like in a period piece around World War, at the end of World War II in Japan. Which just that movie right there was very captivating to me at the very beginning. Granted, they do show Godzilla, uh, I guess a young Godzilla, pretty quick into the film, which is again I appreciate that they gave us that. But the the war, the characters that and they're in um, a city that is you know kind of basically rubble after World War II. Japan has surrendered. There's a whole just a whole bunch of stuff that's going on with these people surviving after the war. And I've seen right. so many films about America and Europe and Germany and things like that, but I haven't really seen a lot of that kind of 
perspective from Japan. Um, and it was just, it was just really good. And like I said, and the characters were good and follows a guy who was a kamikaze pilot that didn't, that didn't do kamikaze. He, he flew away instead of killing himself. And that brings a, a level of shame to him, but also everyone else in the entire country kind of feels uh, shame in some things, but they also feel defeat or anger. There's just so many emotions. His mm-hmm. is just one of the many, right? Um, then he goes back to his town to try to find his parents at the beginning, finds out that they are, they are dead and um, his town is in rubble and he gets in a little shack and he finds this, this girl who runs by him and gives him as she's running from authorities, like she stole something and hands him a baby and then runs off later on. She comes back and you find out that she didn't actually, that's not her baby, but the mother died and she took the baby for her. And so she's kind of trying to survive and she hangs out with this guy and they just kind of have this, we're surviving together and there's this little baby who can't handle stuff. And everyone else around us is also living in shacks and a shanty town type stuff with uh, rubble. And, right. and then, and then, so that's all, that's like a, a real story, right? That's really interesting and good characters and good writing, good acting. And, and it has a mixture. I'm going to say this. I don't want to intimidate anybody else listening to this one. It has some very anime feelings to it. Like, anime characters like tropes you might say of the best friend or the bot worker boss or things like that where mm-hmm. they're a little over the top right um and and again it was just really good it was that was fine for what you wanted and you watch it and it just became a lot of really big emotional things with them and then Godzilla shows up and in this one Godzilla is not any kind of good guy like they portray him sometimes. He's just a chaotic monster destroying everything. And if if you could see, remember I said the, the good parts of the old films, Godzilla would walk in in a big suit and stomp toy toy tanks, right? As they shoot little sparks. And that's mm-hmm. basically what Godzilla does. He comes up and he just destroys ships and uh, tanks and airplanes. Um, but they ra- ratchet up to 11 and the CGI is phenomenal. Godzilla, every minute that he's on the screen is terrifying. Every power he does or everything he does feels like, oh my God, he is unbeatable and, and just destructive and just terrifying the whole time. And like, man, they, they just really got everything that a fan of the Japanese, old Japanese films would want in a modern imagining of that. Um, to the to the nth degree, um, and the, it follows through, and the story progresses, and everybody else can you know has their own plots, and including Godzilla, and it all comes back around through Godzilla at the end, and the ending is satisfactory. So yeah, I I was very very happy with watching that. I will probably watch that Godzilla film several times in the next couple of years, um, and it could even become one of those go to Godzilla movies. You know, if you want to watch a Godzilla movie, I might just recommend this one because it's a one-off thing, period piece. You're not wasting your time by the, the the humans. And when Godzilla is on the screen, it's time to watch Godzilla. So super thumbs up. Worth watching. Nice. Nice. I don't, um, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. I'm not super 
familiar with this franchise. I think I looked into it a year or so ago when I saw the last Godzilla vs. Kong or something. Um, I was not aware of this trend of Godzilla as the defender of humanity. Um, Yeah. uh, Kind of thing. Um, Because what I heard and read, I think, skimming Wikipedia, is that those earlier movies were just like a sort of post, you know, Hiroshima, Nagasaki kind of like, you know, many nations in the world, mostly us, the U.S., um, were doing all this nuclear testing and the radiation either created or attracted this monster from the ocean. And of course, the the folklore is, has broadened and expanded from there, which is where we get things like Monarch, which we might talk about. Yeah. Um, and you know an interesting i didn't i forget i think i heard a youtuber say this that um me a guy talking about D or or something um that in the 50s right like just after world war ii um not just after but like you know in the years after um in the u.s we made stories about superheroes that were transformed by radiation because people didn't understand radiation right Right. it's like a story now they would use the the a particle collider or something a large hadron collider or something you know that most people don't understand so you're like oh this is this science it's it's like magic we can do whatever we want with it exactly and and in the u.s we got things like you know the incredible hulk and hulk is a little tricky because he can't control it or whatever but mm-hmm. there are other ones i'm just not no definitely i mean spider no, radioactive no, spider-man right yeah yeah radioactive spider to make make spider-man stuff like that um while in japan they made stories like godzilla because um you know in that era to those people nuclear thing radiation um or whatever you know the power of the atom was for us the thing that ended and let us win world war ii right and to them it's a thing that completely decimated two entire cities um and killed loads of people i don't want to say well something that but no yeah uh, something that's also interesting they, they kind of touch on in this a little bit here is that Right after World War II, it becomes U.S. and Russia. And Japan is almost mm-hmm. forgotten, right? Like, yeah. Japan's done. Germany's done. Europe's dealing with their own stuff. Now it's all about Cold War, or not yet Cold War, but close to U.S. and Russia starting up all sorts of, you know, Yeah, because both sides, I mean, there were the allies, right? The allies, Russia, the Soviet Union and the <clears throat> U.S. Were, were allies. Like, they all converged on Berlin. Correct. You know, at the same time, but the Red Army came from one side and we came from the other side and we're like, oh, now what do we do? Like Hitler killed himself. Like we've dealt with this problem, but we're, you know, now there's no any enemy of my enemy. We've got to figure out, um, you know, because most, I don't know, like 
the Japanese also were strongly anti-communist. Um, right. The 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 empire, the Japanese empire before World War Two, but and during World War Two, I mean. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, no, that, and and that that that's part of that human part of it, you know, that they mm. deal with on this one. Um, the to kind of uh, mention that you said like him not being the savior of the Titan of humanity or defender of humanity type thing. Um, back in those, when I had watched uh, King Kong and Godzilla as a kid, kid, obviously even when I was a kid, they were in super old reruns. Um, I you know right. watched things in the eighties and this was made sixties or before even. Um, but they, um, he, it's mixed. It, you know, just like th- those kind of monster movies were back in the day. You just have like this, open license character and uh really light on any kind of real story so every film that was made director and writer could almost do whatever they want it was the studio would say here we want another monster movie where we own the ip to godzilla and it makes us money so here here's a writer here's a director make whatever you want we don't care right and so Sometimes they would come through and Godzilla would be a sympathetic character. And that's usually ones where you'd have like another monster come along and a monster. There's always human elements. The human's like, oh my gosh. And then the other monster would be even worse. And Godzilla would come and fight the other one and win and then go off in the day. And you're like, oh, thank God he fought that evil one. But he wasn't really good. He just wasn't bad. Right. Or the lesser of two evils. And then other times when there wasn't a monster in, it just Godzilla wreaking havoc and being a a jerk, you know? Um, So it, it really, there wasn't any plot line, but you know, people who love those films and watch them all rapidly were like, is Godzilla good? Is Godzilla bad or whatever. And not until we get the modern retelling of God, you know, the Godzilla universe we have now, are they actually developing some kind of mythos to, who this Godzilla is type thing. Hmm. It's, it's a little hokey. Obviously it's getting worse almost with everyone, but <laughs> that that's what they're doing. So I, I like it because I like monster, you know, tech, big dinosaur, attacking uh, everything around it and blowing up buildings and you know, mindless brain stuff. And boy, this Godzilla is cool. I'll tell you that. Um, cool. Uh, man, I'm going to, I'm going to do this for the, I'm going to say this bit on this next uh, show just as a public service announcement. So everyone listening knows not to go through what I did. Netflix has a new show called, or new film called leave the world behind. It's got a star set of cast. It's got Eric, um, Ethan Hawke. It's got Julia Roberts is the main character. It's got, um, Oh, how am I going to go? Um, it's, he's playing blade. Um, Oh, Mahershala oh. Ali. Mahershala Ali. Yeah. Yeah, it's got like just a star-studded cast, and it's a it's a the trailer tells you that it's a, an, a oh my god it's the end of the world here it's almost like a lost thing. These couple goes out into an Airbnb from the city out into the woods in a house and they rant real nice, and then in the middle of the night the owners show up and say there's something going on and we've lost contact and no cell phones and we can't get out of the area and what's happening? It's all scary. What's happening to the world? We can't get contact and stuff like that. Let me tell you, it's terrible. It is a <laughs> terrible film. And no amount of acting can save this uh, because the directing is some of the worst I've seen and the writing is just in the toilet. They 
like Julie Roberts gets there and you and the can't you know people can over overact right sometimes overact you have Jim Carrey who overacts and it's sure. it's okay right and but if you like zoom in on their face and they're doing it it's interesting it may not be realistic but if you zoomed out and just showed them standing in a room overreacting it looks terrible it doesn't look natural and it's terrible and that's an example of what they did in every scene in this film every actor is trying to do something with the worst dialogue and the camera is just taking the most unflattering, horrible, long shots. Sound is terrible. And then it does that whole, we're in this terrible situation, but I'm going to go over here and find a, a, a record player and dance to it while drinking and then talk about my feelings. And it's like, Oh my God, nobody cares. No, you're just so uninteresting. (laughs) And then it does the whole, when it ends, it just ends. And no explanation really of anything. And it, you don't, I guess that's spoiler, but I don't care. There's just, it's just completely, oh, Kevin Bacon's in this too. Completely nonsensical and no resolution, no anything. And the worst part for me is the last shot is they zoom out from where the house they're at to kind of show the surrounding area. And they're in the woods right across the Hudson River from New York City. They could walk to New York City. They're that Are close. They on, they're on Staten Island. I guess. I, I there's the bridge, and you can see <laughs> it's just it's, you can see it. There's the water, and they're not even not not even a mile from the shore. Wait, is is this an M Night Shyamalan project? Oh. I, it no, it tries. I think it's trying one hundred percent to be an M Night Shyamalan thing, mm. um, but it fails. I mean, he, he fails at every one of his things. But you know what? Most M Night Shyamalan's better than this one. So I'm going to end it at that one because I don't. It's not even worth talking about anymore. Just um, <laughs> leave the world behind. You can just leave that film behind. I cannot get that time back in my life. And clearly, these older actors were like. Of course, or just actors in general. Like, of course, I want to work with these incredible other actors. Why wouldn't they sign on for that? Because they've got other people to work with. But, geez, sure. nothing to do with that one. So, pass. Hard pass. Oof. All right. Hey, you want to go into, since we're on kind of film and things, you want to go into our, our movie this week? Sure. All right. This week we watched Love, actually, from Yay. 2003. Uh, I also watched Hannah Waddingham's uh, uh, Christmas special. I, I need to watch that. Wa- I need to watch you, that. I haven't watched it yet, but I want to. It's good. It's sweet. It's cute. It's a lot of songs, a lot of cameos. Just like Hannah Waddington herself. Very sweet, mm-hmm. cute, powerful, and awesome. Yeah. Um, Love, actually... Uh, I'll I'll say at the outset I struggled with this one. Did you? Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's because I recently saw a meme or somebody you know the meme is probably a picture of a tweet somebody sent me on Instagram or something. Um, about about a couple of the problematic relationships, which sure. <laughs> is true of almost every relationship in this movie. Um, yeah, sure. And so I struggled with that. I I was I was on the lookout for the the romantic comedy um 
um, what word do I want to use here? I don't want to say trope because it that's too specific. the The trend of a lot of romantic comedies um, portray things as sweet and endearing that are really kind of creepy or okay. problematic, sure. like somebody pining after somebody for a, from a distance for years and then giving a big dramatic speech at the airport. Um, sure. That kind of stuff. This movie doesn't have that, but it has other similar things. Um, yeah, I think that can happen with almost, I mean, literally, I think you can get any single romance thing and mm-hmm. really nitpick it. And and I did yeah, the cre- right. I did that in real time for Pride and Prejudice even, right? Right. And and if you if you want to, you can say, oh, that's not almost almost actually relationships in general. You're walking up to a stranger and you're just kind of you're flirting with them without knowing anything about them, and it's right. just you know romantic relationships are weird unless you're both in the mind that if you're both in the mindset that it's not weird, then all of a sudden it's amazing, right? right? So. Right. I can I feel you what you're saying there with that. Yeah, so I'll get that way that out of the way early. You can go <laughs> ahead and email me everything. I'm a <laughs> horrible old Scrooge for not loving your favorite holiday rom com. <laughs> um, the um, a more uh, let's see a a less biased um, reaction, I guess, or or more objective. Um, shall we say is that it was too much story like I that's actually really interesting because I didn't think there was really a lot of story well that's 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 sort of what I'm getting at there's there are too many characters of course um, right and and too many arcs and plot lines or threads or whatever word you want to use for that I, I would be remiss if I didn't Shout out for the people who are saying that's what they love about it too, though. As of, I will say, of course. So there's something, you know, if you don't like one of the stories, there's another one in there to Correct. to Correct. give you the warm. And they're not on the screen for like five or ten minutes each when they're on. So like, if you don't like that one, you can go to the next. Right, one and so and so you get to some of these some of these reveals, some of these encounters, and I'm like, we have not seen these two characters talk, like. Once it, it, uh, the guy with Laura Linney is leaving the office and is like, you know, good night or whatever, like like one word in the whole thing. And then they're going home from the Christmas party to hook up immediately after no dialogue or and which which is fine. Like I get and have actually experienced that like dancing, nonverbal, like hand holding kind of kind of communication but to go from that straight to like they're hooking up and that and i'm like this whoever this i'm I'm sure he's somebody but the guy playing the guy in that couple has like four lines in the whole movie right right um and so there are just a lot of threads that feel underdeveloped because we're running eight of them through this whole, you know, two two hour fifteen minute film, right? I'm like, I kind of, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I probably would not have watched a whole movie about the prime minister 
getting in a relationship with one of his subordinates. Oh, wait, I don't think I would kidding? watch that you movie. You definitely would have. You want you probably <laughs> watch fourteen of them every Christmas, right? But like every the, Christmas prince is falling in love with the prime minister, and you know you're the subordinate. Like it's kind of what all those holiday things are. See the thing. Oof, I was I was not <laughs> expecting that rebuttal. Okay, the, the the thing about the prince thing is that it's fan it's like completely fantasy i mean yes there are princes and kings in real life but not very many and not in the whatever i don't i don't want to get political with that um (laughs) the like a prince and a commoner is maybe maybe one thing but like the prime minister is a real actual person Right. And it's and it's 2003. It's not. Well, I don't know. It's probably like 10 years since Monica Lewinsky. But it it has that. It has that like problematic and I hate using the word problematic, but it has that like, ooh, this is uh, I don't know about this. This is, um, you know, whatever. But if that was a whole movie, if it was like the American president which um, I think is Aaron Sorkin, so that's not a great comparison. But, like, a powerful person and a normal person, right? You've got the the prince and the commoner. You've got that kind of thing. Um, Like, that could be a whole story. But crammed into this movie with seven other stories, it's just so rushed. Like, he meets her, and it's awkward, and and then (laughs) the American... the u.s president billy bob thornton like makes a makes a pass at her and like that sort of fast forwards and then the whole i don't know i'm getting back into my my personal reactions to it but in the last half hour almost 40 minutes of like wrapping up all of these stories i think the only one well and so most of them I was just groaning at, if not completely <laughs> face palming. Um the the Liam Neeson story with the kids was cute. I had no no issues with that at all. That was except I don't think an eleven year old should be watching Titanic or anyone for that matter, because that movie's <laughs> bad. But um except for the like bypassing security in the airport, again like it's so close to 9/11 that it's mentioned in the prologue, the title card, uh, not title card, but the 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 voiceover narration at the beginning. Yeah. They mention the twin towers, and I'm like, you're gonna do an airport security sequence in the. I guess it makes sense, like you want to do an airport confession thing, but now everybody knows that security is much more tight. You can't do it like you did in the 90s. Sure. Um. And so. Anyway, that story was fine. It was cute. I loved the interaction with Liam Neeson and the kid. He eventually calls him dad. Like, that storyline was great. Um, the, the ridiculous, like, Claudia Schiffer showing up at the end. Yeah. But um, Real quick side note on that. This movie was actually filmed in 2002. So only one year after. Like, right after? Yes. And so so, so the, what they, they hadn't done the like the draconian security we have now 
at that point. Mm. That's true. So I just true. I just wanted to say that part because this and was released in two thousand three. Yeah, and probably not. I assume that that those security changes were quote unquote worst in the U.S. Um, yeah, sure. Oh yeah, yeah. This is in this is in, in Heathrow. Britain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the story with Emma Thompson and um, um, Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like. I really had no feeling about the ending of that, like the resolution of that relationship contrasted to the others, like the guy who took creepy stalker video of Keira Knightley's wedding and was just mean to her all the time because he was in love with her, but she was marrying his best friend. Like, okay. And then he does the Bob Dylan sign thing. I'm like, somebody finds this endearing. I don't. Um, (laughs) And the uh, the Colin Firth thing, like his cleaning lady, which is weird. Again, it's like the prime minister thing. Um, and then just proposes to her, like spends a week learning Portuguese to propose to her and she accepts. I'm like, this is no, I'm not. I'm out for this. <laughs> but um, the and then the the Alan Rickman emma thompson's story is just strange like his his assistant or whoever she is is basically throwing herself at him throughout the whole movie and then emma thompson warns him off like you know be careful with that and then he buys her a christmas present that that one is a casualty i think of the so many stories in one movie like there's there's just there's story here that's not being shown not being developed because there's no screen time for it because so much is crammed in so like he does that and then she confronts him and then they're fine at the end i'm like okay that's that's fine i i just have Mm -hmm. no i have no feeling like i'm not upset i'm not annoyed i'm like well i'm glad that he didn't hook up with his much younger secretary um, but it's just a weird kind of, re- I mean, maybe that's the point is just like, here's this, you know, he was maybe slightly tempted and then, you know, they're together at the end, it seems. Yeah. Um, well, I go have to say that I completely think the other way and, and I, and I enjoy listening to how you what your thoughts were on that because i was kind of formulating how you could think that way or because how i see it completely different and instead of thinking like oh you're totally wrong it was like well what why is it that you've seen this totally different than what i'd seen or, or a lot of people that i'd talked to about this film about like what is it what is your perspective that way and i think while listening to you i think i came down to two things and you you can tell me whether it's this or not um one is one of my favorite quotes I've been quoting a whole heck of a lot lately is the Han Solo. This isn't that kind of movie kid. Um, right. Because, and the second one is I know that you absolutely like the Christmas stories, the Hallmark Christmas stories that are completely hokey, unbelievable, and just like not realistic. And I, I'm I, guessing it's because those, you know, a it. moment, 
I, 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 I let me, I'll, I'll, sorry, I, I'll interject yeah. here. I did have a moment after our conversation with Chris last week where I was like, is this, am I not getting, I mean, obviously I'm not getting it, right? So yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. And there's nothing wrong can, with that. I do that all the time, right? You can go ahead and delete those email drafts, like, uh, <laughs> No, I know. remember with, last week with Coca-Cola Kid, same thing, where I had that, like, I that's, just didn't get it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm like, is there, there's supposed to be something funny. There's the whole storyline with the guy who goes to the U.S., right? He goes to Wisconsin and finds um, Alicia Cuthbert and yeah. several other improbably attractive women at a dive bar in wisconsin i was like i was like this this storyline belongs in a van wilder movie or something but but that's kind of what this movie was that that's what i think is so great about this film and why it is this hugely popular like world phenomenon that people like it's that it's 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 popcorn it's star wars it's the only one that really doesn't fit here is the emma thompson line because that one actually makes the rest of so i i think of that and i that's what i think of when you're when you have this thought of like oh man if if you look at all of these storylines in the way the emma thompson storyline goes then they just don't fit because that one is with two good actors who are doing actual like acting and scripts and using stuff and, and alan rickman and stuff and that's like a real film and you're right they don't like develop at all because none of this is developed it's not it's kind of like you you watch this so you don't want to get involved in a, a deep romance christmas romance this is the mm. as i said not that kind of you know movie kid this is a um don't think too hard it's just simple easy romance colin firth literally spends a minute with a girl they have a couple looks <laughs> and it's and it's love at first sight and the biggest romance you could possibly have for someone who's a completely hopeless romantic and thinks that if everything is wonderful and perfect in the world he would go off and spend time learning portuguese run off and ask her to marry him she'll say yes in front of her family and the whole city and she'll have spoke english and that's the most idyllic fantastically romantic thing that could possibly happen is it realistic in any way absolutely not again right. this isn't that kind of movie like there's no yeah. realness I, to that i i think that's what tripped me up is it's it's this sort of mashup of eight different movies um yes. each of which are have a different tone um yeah and the, and the emma thompson alan rickman one just if that's kind of almost a reference point that could that's really everything else is less and b movie d list compared to what not that that one's a great one either but they're on their own kind of you know yeah. genre i guess in this thing um so so that being so now if we look at it in that light what you actually need to look at it is is the i love that you mentioned the guy that went over to america that's a perfect example like none of that is real or realistic in any way whatsoever he goes into the first bar in wisconsin and finds these drop dead gorgeous girls that ask him back to their house and everything is just over the top everything he could want so this is like eight stories of eight different ways of people can see romance or Mm. a need for connection or love to what what i think he says something that being like what actually love is and it's eight different ways of the ultimate you know Let's say you see somebody at the grocery store and you think she's cute and 
you have a little bit of a, a, a look at each other, just a split second where you know you smile and she smiles and then you never see each other again. But then you go home and you write down quickly what, what the ideal situation would have happened there. And then they put that in the show. That's kind of what those all are. Um, yeah. And you, you just can't, there's nothing more than that. There are nothing, because you're right. If you, then you start actually picking apart every little thing you mentioned, like the cure, not being, oh, now he's creepy with that. Well, of course, if it's a, if we're not trying to see that everyone here is speaking with genuine stuff, because that's kind of, with the exception of Alan Rickman, again, that really weird thing, every other person in here is genuine, honest, and true. Even Andrew Lincoln doing the um, card thing like there, you know, he, yes, can be creepy, but he's genuine. She's genuine. Uh, uh, I can never say it was Chuetel Ifor is genuine best friend, you know, love them. Like they're, they're Laura, Laura Linney is, is tragic, but yeah, true. You know? So, and again, they're just, there's a lot of things. The guy that she's Laura, Laura Linney could go in there and the guy that she's with. Yeah. They could probably talk and sit down and talk it out, but that's not, that's not what this is. You know, this is just a, a try. We got a little vignette, which is a good idea to call these. It's vignette, not full stories of, you know, what a tra- we want a tragic love story about two people where she can't fall in love because she takes care. She's so sweet. Things. I want another tragic love story where um, a husband who dearly loves his wife and is left with her son that let's tell that one real quick. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that's all these are. These are like little vignettes that aren't fully fleshed out. And if you think of them as just vignettes and not full stories in their own, then that's all they are. Uh, Hugh Grant there's no way that a prime minister would act that way. And it happens so quickly and then run off it. He doesn't even have any like security guards or anything around him when he walks around. Right. 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 Like it's just implausible if you think that way. And I think that the movie starts you off that way with Bill Nye. Like it's absurd, mm. right? He's doing this stupid thing. He's over the top in the way he acts and the way he talks and everyone responds to him. He almost sets it up the whole film up to let you know that this is this is just absurd and and don't think too much about it because he goes on the radio and he starts saying like you know right I don't care we don't need to worry about all the the realistic that this is a good song or not kind of like saying I liked, we don't care I that liked this is a good all show of his I liked all of his story except that his song wins number one I'm like no right. no Ex- exactly that, that that's see that's the point that's the point of this show yeah. is that it's it's just idealistic. In an idealistic way, this old rocker would come and make a stupid, absurd thing. He would go out on the radio and throw himself under the bus and be over the top and everyone loved him and he'd win number one. Of course, that's not realistic, right? Of course, yeah. that's not close to a thing. But that's that's the happiest ending when they wanted to tell a happy story. And not everyone in here is as happy, but his was. Martin Freeman's like, that's not even really a, a thing. It's just, they could, they could cut any single one of these vignettes out and you would never <laughs> know it. Right. It, um, like he, he knows somebody, they all, they'll connect at the end. Everybody is somebody's brother, cousin. Well, or... that, that's my, what I wanted to come in here today was that's my only knock on this film was that I was, I, I'd seen it a long time before, but I think I only seen pieces of it. So I don't know if I saw things. So and this is the first time I watched it all the way through. And I was expecting them all to kind of the writing to come together and like, oh, there's all connected. And the son, the the boy who has a you know, who's got a once this girl in his class is maybe this guy's daughter or 
but that didn't happen. And they just like in the last two minutes, they they were all at the airport together at the same time randomly. And some people, a friend, like they didn't tie that together because the movie starts in the airport, right? Yeah, but they don't either. They needed to be more intelligent about tying things together, or just not because you didn't need it. That's really you know, yeah, because because most of these stories happen in different movies. Correctly, that that's yeah. you got it. Every, these are all different films telling different things of love and, and how love actually is in an in an idealistic romance novel kind of way, fantasy um, kind of yeah. f- fantasy, right? And that's why I mentioned your your thing about liking the uh, the Hallmark shows. Not not that you like all the Hallmark shows, you definitely don't like all of them. But um, how you can enjoy those, right? Is because going into that, you kind of I I'm guessing for you here, you know that. Right off the bat, you know what you're kind of expecting, what you're going to yeah, get. I'm, I'm expecting right? it to be bad. And so it's right. a different kind of, it's like a campy uh, uh, experience. Yes. And now if you if you went into this film and thought of it as it's just an over-the-top love fest at, at, at Christmas, you know, about love in romance book ways or a Hallmark story ways. Then, then this film is that. Is it a story that a film that has actual stories and fleshed out characters and a whole plot? No, not at all. There's, there's not any of that in here. So, um, so the actually in the title is ironic. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. I think I think that was my problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I'm not. I'm not I, I didn't want to come out here firing like, "Oh, you're wrong," and everything like that. Because because I had that great experience with Chris, kind of opening my eyes to something I clearly didn't see, and I'm not expecting you to have that. But uh, I that's a difference between I was able to see that I think within the first five minutes, and it did start with Bill Nye, and I when Hugh Grant come on, I expected that I was expecting it to be a like Notting is it Notting Hill mm-hmm. kind of show. And he was going to have this sweet long type thing, but then it just was, it wasn't, it was this little absurd, not realistic prime minister thing he's going with. And Billy Bob Thornton, when Billy Bob Thornton came with that, that thing, I, right there, I knew what this film was like, you know, he's yeah. caricature, caricature of this thing for two minutes to show you this one point. Um, I was like, oh yeah, okay, I, I'm here. Um, and I think, I think yeah. because I knew that this is, like a beloved classic for a lot of people. I was expecting more plausibility. No, that, that, uh, that's what pride and prejudice is for. Right. If you want yeah, an actual, like yeah, you're right. love story, that's got plot and thought and deep things and actual conversations about those. Like we couldn't, you and I couldn't talk about this film. Like this is insulting to people, I guess, but intellectually for all the plot lines, we, we could just pick the part, every single one of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I did that five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But um, except whereas, the, except the Martin Freeman one, which is not developed enough to have, it's just like a series. You could cut that whole story, and it would well because none of them, none of them interweave. But it's just yeah. like, oh, this story, <laughs> this story feels like it's there to give this movie an R rating. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, all of it. Like Bill Nye, he doesn't have to, you know, his part doesn't, they, none of them do. Andrew Lincoln's story with Kira Knightley doesn't need to be, none of it does. And and again, that's not the, that's not the point. Right. It's just to, it's cotton candy for Christmas love is what it is. 
mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson's thing, um, which was a little off-putting to me because everything here was sweet and cotton candy. Even the the part with Andrew Lincoln and Keira Knightley, which is the not the cool Laura Lynn is on her back. Yeah. The Laura oh, Lynn story Lynn, yeah. toward the end gets really heavy. I was like, "What?" Yes, you're right. Her yeah. her brother's in a in an institution and right is has violent tendencies so it's not just it's not just her being codependent like yeah that there's a real issue and it doesn't resolve it's just like oh she yes is gonna be alone because she has this responsibility Um, i i I would actually like to hear from the writer or writers about this film and because i would guess that they did they just sat down and put on a whiteboard holiday love themes or story you know and then let's pick eight of them and we'll do that like tragic this tragic that uh presidential love story you know um uh forbidden love story or Mm -hmm. you know someone's in love and and then do play that out with the um quickest give you the quickest adhd version of that that you can have because this is like an adhd (laughs) film right like there's just things happening constantly so anyway i did i loved it because of that i i absolutely see why this people like this one and watch it every year because it's just like a christmas story they don't actually have to watch it it can just be on and there's just a little bit here and there right you know oh this is the part where bill nye's saying the thing with his with his buddy and he confesses to his but his buddy that you know he's actually someone he cares about in his life and you sit sit at the screen as you're walking by and you watch it for three minutes you're like i like that and then you move on you know and that's that's this film so i i liked it i will definitely watch it again but i don't know if i'll actually watch the whole thing again it reminded me have you seen a movie called he's just not that into you Oh, uh, is Heath Ledger in that? Is that what that is? No, I'm thinking something else. Um, Jennifer Goodwin, Jennifer Connelly, Jennifer Aniston. Uh, maybe um, you need to put on a list. You should probably ben put on Affleck, a list. Ben Affleck. Yeah, uh, definitely put on a list. None of, the, none of the male leads are in the top billing. Um, Joseph Gordon-Lovett, I think. Um, oh, yeah, definitely put this on our list, man. I'll watch that. I mean, I think I've, the I've seen guy, the title trailer. Uh, Who's who's the guy who's not Matthew McConaughey? Bradley Cooper. <laughs> who's not? Um, <laughs> well said, Dennis. <laughs> all right, um, all right. Who's yeah, not it's either? it's another one um, with like four or five different stories uh, intermixed, but without the holiday. And there's a little more like this relationship is like this, and this one is like this. Um, I remember enjoying more, but I don't know. It might not hold up. Yeah. Th- there is, um, Oh man, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, butcher it, but my, man, it, it does make me sad that you didn't like this so much. Cause it, it actually, of all the films that I've seen and romance things, and as much as we loved and talk about things like pride and prejudice, this film has what to me might be the most romantic line of any romantic thing I've, I've heard. And it's just, it's with Colin Firth from Pride and Prejudice. And they're just kind of sitting there with that kind of tension with them. And she's wet or something came out of that lake situation. Yeah. And and they can't speak. 
And he says to her, oh, she says pantomimes like we drive me home. And he says, yes, it's, you know, it's the happiest part of my day, That's knowing that she can't understand him. And then she responds with, okay, it's the saddest part of my day leaving you. And they don't understand each other. And I thought, I just felt, and even now I have a little bit of goosebumps that that, like, that is just such a perfect love story there or moment in scene that they are, they truly are falling in love with each other and have no idea that the other one does, but they're saying it in a, in a different language. And I, I just love it. I love that scene so much that, that those two lines in that one shot. And it is kind of interesting that it's with Colin Firth from who, you know, is the, the, the jerk wad at the beginning of Pride and Prejudice and is now the heartthrob at the end. So <laughs> and I can't, for some reason, I can't think of his name. What's his name? Darcy. In Darcy. Dar- yeah, Mr. Darcy. Like, that's his name. Uh, so anyway, yes, Colin Firth. So, yes, that's love, actually. What are you putting? Wait, we're Christmas time. We're doing Christmas stuff. It's your pick next week. Are we doing another Christmas thing or something different? Okay. Ironically, um, because it's Christmas, and I think we've done all of the good, well, I don't know about all of the good. <laughs> Air quotes good. You know, we've watched 8-Bit Christmas. We've watched Christmas Story. We've watched Die Hard. Yes. We've watched... Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, several Christmas carols. Um, yep. H- have we watched actual? We did watch Christmas carols. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Hmm. With Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Um, that is uh, still the best one, right? Are we agree on that one? That's the best one. It's I. I really like it. It's it's. I um, do. I do too. I forget if it's. I don't think it's Hallmark, but it's some like it's made for TV. So there are a couple points where the visual effects are not great. Um, but of course, Patrick sure, Stewart is, sure. is a legend. So, legend, um, right? And legend there's that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, sorry. Moving on from that, I just I I like that one so much. I so I I grabbed a, a random um Christmas rom com from the ones uh, Pete's been talking about because he watches those. Um, I'm certain this will be bad. It has 5.7 on IMDb, but it's Whoa, called okay. It's called Saving Christmas Spirit. Oh wait, wait! I I got that I got that confused. Okay, I, I was a little hard on that re- re- response. I thought you said Rotten Tomatoes. I was like, it's got a five percent on, no, on no, Rotten no. Tomatoes. Okay, five point seven out of ten. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I don't see anyone in this that I recognize, so that's problematic. Oh, the male lead was in Braveheart. Young, oh, he played the little boy version of of William Wallace, which oh, is okay. hilarious. And he, I guess, he was in one episode of Outlander. So neither of those are, uh, um, though he's Scottish, so that's that might be part of it. It's um, so is this one of those like Hallmark movie type things? Is that what this? this yes. Is? Okay. Cool. Um, All right. Again, getting my head in the right space. Right. It's. It looks like. AMC that can't be right. I don't know. Um, you know, you know that that is something where I think you and I are learning over the years of this is it it sometimes it kind of is important to know what you're going to go in there to watch, right? I think yeah. were you and I just talking about that going in, into the off the air about that it's like if oh it's billing with musicals you were saying how Wonka we you and I were saying off the air that Wonka's a musical and you had said that the trailer isn't billing as that. And people go into the theater not knowing what it is. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, in right. that case, both of the prior Wonka films were musicals, so you you should sort of expect that. Um, sure, but it it seems a little odd when the trailer doesn't have that implication, right? There's no, I mean, you think about the old um, the old Disney animated feature trailers, like from the '90s. That had all the songs, not all the songs, but they had, the, you know, the music was a big part of it. And you'd see the characters singing. And so you knew um, that that's what it was. Where this movie and something else fairly recent. I mean, I don't think Wish was one of those. But there were a couple others where people were like, this is a musical, but the trailer doesn't make that clear. Um, doesn't doesn't show. Oh, which, sometimes which you like wonder weird... if that's because their 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 musical their music's not that great, right? Right. So that's a it, it's just a weird marketing decision. Like, yeah. Why would you? I mean, we not... don't. I guess we don't know everything. It could be that the music isn't finished or something. Maybe I don't know how how that works with. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Or you know, maybe it's some of the, you know the trailers. A lot of people see don't have them, but there are other trailers, um, you know, where people are just missing that missing that cue but like it's weird because as i said off the air people who like musicals will be you know um drawn in by that yeah by that yeah. promise and people who don't like musicals are going to be annoyed if they go to a, a movie and people start singing and they're like what <sighs> okay fine yeah um, you know and, and sometimes maybe the the it, maybe it is the fault of the marketing people um be, because I'm gonna, I'm kind of go back to the Coca Cola kid, um, you know. Is it was it clear that it's a comedy? I didn't watch any trailers going into it, but maybe when Chris was going to go watch it in the theater, the trailers were all like a laughy thing or had a laugh track or some kind of thing, and so yeah. he knew it, right? Um, but I don't know that, um, and so therefore going into it, you know, I, you know what? It's just a good kind of eye opening thing that we've had with this is that sometimes. It, it is important to know what kind of film is this, mm -hmm. right? And I know that we've had a couple of things in the past where they've been billed as comedy. And um, you, you might have, and I can't think of one right now, but I know you might have said, oh, it's a comedy. And then I think it's not really a comedy. There's a little bit of comedy in it, but it's mainly a drama type stuff. Um, right. Where they're, they're misbilled as that. So, no, that's that's interesting. New new uh, new thing for us to to look at for what kind of film is this, Dennis? <laughs> All right, so we've got a we've got a holiday, not Hallmark, but that kind of show. That's good. Yeah. I was I was uh, worried we wouldn't get through the season without at least something. I know Den uh, Pete has been saying some things, but hadn't hadn't seen them. Oh, okay. What do we got this week? Uh, I just have one last thing. What well, I guess we don't have a lot of time to talk about. Um, for all mankind, well, we can talk about that a little bit. Next week we're at we're six of ten that are out right now mm -hmm. um but um i watched it's my last thing you can have the rest of the show i'm just i got i already said a public service <laughs> warning i'm gonna say this one too i didn't watch squid game i might someday but i just haven't and they've got that thing netflix called squid game the challenge it's a reality show for the squid squid games it's like I guess in this in the movie Squid Game, they people get killed and murdered on a game show, sure, um, and like intentionally, it's part of the game show. Well, this one does the same thing except that they're shooting like paintballs at them. So if they get shot with a gun, 
it's a paintball gun. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, and again, I haven't seen it, but what I'm hearing from some like people at work when I talk to them about it is that they do the challenges that are in the, 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 the series and they're doing it for real. Um, oh, so this is a reality show based on yes sorry yes squid See, games but without yes. people actually dying yes without people actually dying so uh, for example i've only watched two episodes and that's all i'm going to watch the reason i can say this is that i don't like it um and i tend to like reality shows or some of them challenge challenge reality shows but um in the first one it's red light it's red light green light and there's a big room and a hundred literally 150 maybe 250 people are in this room and they say like red light or the music starts, whatever. And you have to run to the end of the thing. And then they'll say like the music will stop. And every, and then if the people on the cameras see you move, then you get shot. And as soon as you're shot, you're out of the game. And they knock over 60% of the, the people in the whole game out in the first round. Um, and, and that's it. But, and I, there's other kind of um, challenges that are similar like that, but really, 80% of this entire show, oh my God, it's just drama. Like, oh, I'm a mother of the son on here and I've got, I've got a, you know, how many times have we heard that I really need this money so that I can bring my family out of poverty or I, I could really help use the money. I, I have, it's just so old and boring and they stretch it out for 20 minutes for the whole storyline and then the person gets shot or something and you're like, they're trying to create, I think, the series drama with ca- ca- relating to the characters, but it's just boring. And these people, real life people, are very boring people. They're not interesting. Um, sure. So yeah, I stopped after I gave it three episodes, and I'm like, no, I cannot do this to myself anymore. <laughs> so out Squid Game: The Challenge. It got renewed for a second season, so maybe I'm in the minority, but. Blech. Did you, you, I can't remember. Did you ever watch that series, the Squid no. Game? Oh, no. I, I heard, I heard a lot of bad things, and then I heard a couple of good things about like the, you know, the 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 writing or characterization of people in a real, you know, crisis situation kind of thing, but not enough to actually watch it. Um, yeah. So I have I mean, no idea. Ultimately, I, at least from this reality show, if it's like that, like that, there's just one winner. And if it's the series like that, I'm assuming you're watching all these characters that you get attached to, and like only one of them can live, right? So yeah. I guess if you're going to watch that show, every single person on there is going to die, and you're going to be sad about that. So that doesn't make me happy to want to watch that kind of show. Um, sure, but some people, you know, we. I'm on the board with not liking tra- or tragedies. So, anyway, well, I think that's all we got for this week, Dennis. Get some, pick up some more things next week, and take it from there. Christmas in two yeah. weeks. I don't know. About ten minutes. It's not enough to talk. To. I'm watching for all mankind. It's it's fine. It's interesting. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know that it ever has been as exciting and compelling as the first season. Maybe that's just me. Um, no, I mean, cause it, that's a new idea. It's a new brand new thing, right? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. And, and just the, 
the era, the time period was was more interesting. With you know, it's more sci-fi now. Um, yeah. But uh, there's that. Um, I think I mentioned Fargo last week or the week before. Yeah. Um, yeah, still yeah. watching season five. Um, watching the Gilded Age. That's uh, I've heard like good d- things about that. Is it good? It's like Downton Abbey, but in the 1870s, 1880s, right? The Gilded Age, mm-hmm. um, the U.S. after the Civil War. Um, it's definitely one of those period dramas where there's a lot of just gorgeous costuming. Um, I saw I saw a video of um, somebody describing, you know, talking about the different costumes the characters wear and how they are um you know based on and inspired by actual paintings of the era and and fo- yeah. you know the occasional photograph um which would be rare and of course in um like tintypes and stuff that'd be in, that wouldn't be in color um and just a lot of subtle you know very polite society so there's a lot of really subtle interactions and um that kind of stuff it's some people say nothing ever happens which is Mm -hmm. not true but it's a little bit true where you know there's just a lot of there's a lot of dialogue there's just a lot of interpersonal drama um but all very subtle and very polite um but it's just that's what it is it's um yeah i enjoy it no it, um, it, lo- it looked good i gotta go see this week and i gotta see i've been putting off napoleon i really kind of want to see that mm. i don't know why i want to see that but i want to see that one and uh i've heard mixed um, things about that i i yeah. never did get out to see oppenheimer so i'd probably oh, miss true. my chance on that one but uh when i when i'm definitely gonna go see oh maybe i maybe i'll wait till next i think i might wait not this week and watch hopefully it's still in two weeks so i want to watch um Hideo Miyazaki's uh, "The Boy and the Heron," which mm. is in in theaters right now. I'm I'm nervous mm. because it's a Studio Ghibli movie, or Ghibli, I said, and I don't know if that'll stay in the movie theater. It's so hard to predict how long movies will stay in theaters now. I just don't know. Um, so you kind of almost got to jump out there and watch it. But I want to watch it with Sydney. That's right. what I want to do. Right. So yeah, um, hopefully it'll be out for two weeks. Is there a way to to know that, or do they just pull them randomly? I don't know how that. You know, if you can go online and say, how long is Aquaman going to be out? I would whatever. think, I mean, Just Watch exists, so I feel like there should be something like that. But it probably depends on the the individual theater, or at the very least, the, the theater chains. Because they do special yeah. events and stuff for like, oh, this is, you know, this anime film is here, but it's, you know, subtitled version on Tuesday, dubbed version on Wednesday, and that's it. Yeah, and, and and I know that they do a lot of if it's if it's selling well, they'll keep it in longer. Right. But yeah, and, you know, so they may say, "Oh, it'll be here for three weeks," and then it just is empty the first week, and then they're like, "Okay, two weeks." You know. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, my yeah, I don't know my my kid wanted to go see the Taylor Swift Airs tour, and she just um, waited too long and was going to mm-hmm. go this weekend, and it was mm-hmm. out of all the theaters. So that's yeah. one of those examples. You get, you got to watch them. So I don't know, maybe I'll, you know what? I might just, if I get time, I might go watch the boy in the heron and just in case. And if it's still here, when Sydney comes back, I'll watch it with her again. So, yeah, I haven't, um, I know you messaged me about Godzilla, but I like to go, um, on Tuesdays when they're cheap, yeah. but there's no, 
there are no regal theaters um near me i might see if there are marcus theaters or see if any of the other chains have some kind of special i think amc has five day fridays or five day tuesdays i mean five day tuesdays they might i'll yeah. have to check because the, the nearest i'm i'm up close to flagstaff uh for the next two weeks yeah. and right. I think the closest Regal is down in Phoenix, which is like a two-hour drive. I'm not going to drive two hours to see a movie. Yeah. Oh, God. And a two-hour back? Jeez, no yeah. way. No. Hard yeah, pass. You, you better be doing something there, and you got to take Angel with you make for sure. You're not where you're leaving her for, there for yeah, six I'll, hours. Yeah, I'll spend, I'll spend more on fuel than I would save for a half-price movie ticket. <laughs> you're right. Yes. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, well. I'm, I think I'm going to get try to get there this weekend. Come watch two movies. Nice. Like, yeah. Aquaman and, doesn't come out for two weeks. I'll watch that. And I'm still watching Monarch. Um, yeah, same. Which is fine. It's uh, yeah. the, the pacing is really slow. It just yeah. makes it challenging. Agreed. You, you, that's, that's one thing that one watching the Godzilla film that I was talking about earlier is that I, while the story of the people um, was good, um, I appreciated that they were sprinkling Godzilla sightings and stuff throughout mm. to make it interesting. It was almost feels like a security blanket type or not security, a security net. So mm. if our acting and story doesn't do well, then you've always got Godzilla on the screen. Um, right. And it's, and with this, the Monarch thing, it's not always that way. Cause it can just kind of drag. Yeah. And it's like, it's like 98% human story. And there's, I don't know. I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but it there are all there's all this mystery. Like we yeah. don't know anything. Yeah. And so there's all Lindelof this... isn't writing that, is he? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, it's it's Matt Fraction is one of the writers. Oh, but Fraction. Just, okay, that's right, yeah. Th- there's just so much like there's so much we as the audience don't know. And then the characters not the main characters, but all the other peripheral characters, even probably Kurt Russell a little bit there, there's all this um, deception. They're like hiding things, not telling people the whole story. I dislike that so much, (laughs) which is like, I don't have a problem with like the, the, the tension or suspense of, you know, somebody knows something and we know something, but they can't tell us it. Like that at least is compelling for a while. As long as it's not oh, for the, a whole, the whole yeah. thing that's just like the whole, you know, classic superhero thing of the alter ego that gets old after a while. Yeah. But, but in this case, yeah. we don't know either. So we don't know who's lying or who is, you know, giving what accurate or truthful information to anybody else because it's all just a mystery. Um, yeah. Which is, yeah. which is... I don't know, frustrating is even too strong of a word because I know so little that I just don't care. Yeah, yeah. You need to start, by this point, they need to be giving us some answers, yeah. right? Like, yeah. not not all the answers, but like solve some puzzles. And I think that's a general mystery rule. If you're going to, if you're going to have a big mystery, sure, you're going to have little mysteries. You got to give us something along the way mm-hmm. to make us feel worthwhile. Unless it's a unless it's a film, then it's only two hours. But this is a whole ser- series. Yeah, you know we we've seen like two or three movies worth of screen time now. And yeah, they they need to have been giving us a little bit more than. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one too. So, 
the the worst thing here well there's two sides that can happen is that you come through and it's like oh it's all been worth it that the reveal at the end or the all it all came together and you can see the plan the whole time now or Mm -hmm. it's just unsatisfactory the the whatever they answer is just lame and weak right you know it could be yeah and that's there's no in the between there All right. Um, so next week, Saving Christmas Spirit, and we'll maybe talk about some of these other shows. Where are my notes? There we go. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 327. Thanks as always to our friends at LRM Online. If you want to reach out to us and tell us everything I'm wrong about Love Actually, uh, you can do that <laughs> via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. Um, that's a joke, by the way. Obviously, I watch this movie in the wrong frame of mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a not not a fair thing. You can you can email me, but I probably won't. But, read it, but so. you'll be wrong for that <laughs> that email. Yeah, right? please please don't please don't waste your time uh, <laughs> telling me. You know, anyway, uh, if you go to our website front frontporchpodcast.com dot com, you find contact forms there to reach out to us. I don't think we talked about anything that i'll put show notes in for this week um if you enjoy the show please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice and while you're there if you leave us a review uh hopefully favorable we just appreciate that it helps out a lot in those algorithms as always thanks so much for joining us and until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch night everybody see you next time